this episode of The Interface, I speak with Dave Amay, new business development manager for the Amphenol Military and Aerospace Group. Dave recently retired from the U.S. Navy after spending 20 plus years in special operations as a Navy SEAL. He just moved to Pasadena, California to focus on some of our emerging markets. So we talk a little bit about his experiences in the military, his transition to the business world here at Amphenol, and his enthusiasm in tackling the challenges of his new role. This is The Interface. So today, our guest is Dave Amay, uh, the Amphenol uh, Military and Aerospace Operations Business Development Manager, who's based now out of Pasadena, California. Are you there yet? Uh, I arrived on the 13th of July, so I just got here. Wow. Okay. So this is as of two days ago. Um, Dave <laughs> Dave joined Amphenol in April 1st, uh, 2019, and um, he'll be doing as I said, business development work for us in a couple of different markets that we'll talk about in a little bit. But Dave comes to us after retiring from the U.S. Navy. So he had a very unusual path to Amphenol, so to speak, at least from his job perspective in the in the U.S. Navy. Uh, he was a Navy SEAL in special operations. And I think uh, one of the few, probably less than five that I know of in Amphenol, um, not only who were in the military, but also in special operations, who then came into this organization how much, just real quick, how much has that been a change for you after you retire from 20 plus years in the military and all of a sudden you move into the corporate world, so to speak, how much of a radical change has it been for you in the last three months? Uh, it is a big change. The, I think one of the hardest things was retiring at the end of the year. So it's the fourth quarter companies are, uh, doing budgets and the job opportunities, no one's really hiring. Mm. Uh, and, and so it was, it was a big challenge. Uh, I did a transition with the honor foundation, which definitely helped. And I didn't really think it was going to be that, uh, that big of a challenge, but it was much bigger than I expected. And, uh, in Amphenol coming into this company, uh, another big challenge. It's a, it's a big company with lots of products. It's a great team which is why I wanted to come here in the first place. But the transition part was, was I think, more challenging than what I originally estimated. Has it been good, though? Oh, yeah. Oh, especially, I think, finding my niche, mm-hmm. uh, especially with Amphenol. This company, you know, we cover a lot of uh, technology in, in industry space, VTOL, emerging markets, things that are coming out, and I'm, really into those. That's my bread and butter. That's my passion. So it was kind of like a a perfect fit for me. So that alleviated a lot of stress and that's what makes it so fantastic. I'm glad to hear it. So three months in that's, that's good news. And yeah, you're right. I mean, we were just talking about it before I've been here now about 16 years and I feel like I've, I barely know a lot about Amphenol and I've been to a number of the different divisions and locations and all that sort of stuff. And yet I still am in wonder every time I go somewhere else or hear of something that we do that I had no idea about. Um, it's like endless possibilities when you, when you look through the Amphenol stuff, but let me, let me go back now. Let me go back to, uh, uh, a young Dave Amay who is getting ready to enter the military. What was the, what was the impetus for you to join the military back in the, in the nineties? Well, so yeah, let me, let me look at a little history here. Uh, if, so I have broken service 
I'll give you the years I was in from 1992 to 1994. I separated for three years. I went back to, to college. I was an electrician for a while and went back into service in 1997 and retiring last year, 2018 in August. Mm -hmm. um, so going into the military, I think I really needed some structure and some direction in my life. I, I've always had a passion for technology uh, and a passion to be part of some teams. I've always played sports and I played hockey, uh, baseball, football, soccer, uh, track, field, diving. But I was always part of these these teams and, and as a team player, that's what I always gravitated towards. And the military was like a team. So my first service uh, from 1992 to 1994, I served on board the USS Constellation CV-64 as an aircraft director uh, as a yellow shirt. Mm -hmm. Man, what a change that was from civilian life. <laughs> so shipboard <laughs> life is quite different. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, but I loved the aircraft. And that's where I got my, you know, my my interest in aviation and jets. I mean, it was cool. We had F-14 Tomcats back then. We don't have them today. We've got F-18s and, and the new ones. But but uh, that's the, the structure, I thought, was really good. But I just wasn't satisfied with the, the challenge that I had set before myself. And when I got out in 1994, I went back to school. I was going, went to uh, University of Nebraska-Lincoln. I was a pole vaulter there. Uh, I didn't graduate from college uh, and then decided, you know, I need to go back and finish what I started. Mm -hmm. And that was to become a SEAL. So conquering these difficult tasks in a team environment is what I really wanted. And I wanted to do some impossible challenge, set this thing before myself that, oh, my gosh, if I fail, I'm going to fail. So I had to give up everything. Uh, and that's what I wanted to do. I gave up. I sold my truck. I sold everything I had in my life. And I moved to California and I went to Bud's to start all over, to start this impossible task. Right. And for uh, you and I have spoken about this a little bit before, since uh, I was a, a journalist and a broadcaster in the Navy, um, my physical training was not quite as rigorous as yours probably was, unless you count keyboard, you know, and typing. Um, so not, uh, not, key, uh, keystrokes are like steps. Yeah, you count yeah, I think so. So, uh, not quite the same thing, but serving on a ship and also doing flight quarters and, and being on the, on the fire team, um, you know, damage control team for that. Yeah. I, I get that. I get how exciting it was, but I think a lot of people can also relate to really wanting to challenge yourself. Um, and, and that is one of the ultimate, if not the ultimate challenge from a physical, mental and emotional standpoint. And BUDS, just so people know, stands for just let people know what BUDS stands for in case they don't know. Uh, basic underwater demolition. And that is the, the, the training, the initial training that any Navy SEAL has to go through and, and complete before they're quote unquote a SEAL, correct? Correct. Yes. So you get to BUDS then. Um, how immediately difficult was it for you? I mean, I mean, everyone always talks about hell week and all that sort of stuff, but what was it that initially was like, whoa, this is, I knew this was going to be a, a huge challenge for me, but I didn't know it was going to be this big. Yeah, that's, there are so many 
different aspects to that question. We could talk about the emotional. We could talk about uh, the sorting of people and players who comes out as leaders, uh, personalities that fit within the team structure, uh, and then positive attitudes. And it comes from everything, that, the, the words that come out of your mouth to the actions that, that you do every single day. And then you have the physicality of it. You have the cold. You know, California is not that cold. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you what, it's really cold. <laughs> I've never been so cold in my life. Well, maybe one other time. Yeah, but, as beautiful uh, as Coronado is, I'm sure that cold 58 degree water when you're doing surf training is not exactly comfortable. Yeah, exactly. Looking back in retrospect, those were all new things that I was learning. And I was a bit older, I think, when I was going through Buds. It was like 25 or 26. But seeing them that clearly at that time, I didn't recognize them. In, but when I reflect back, now I see, as we're talking about, I see the, the clarity with which the instructors saw each one of us. And mm -hmm. so they're looking for people who fit on a team. You may have right. some, you know, you, you, your journalism. I am uh, an electrician with some background in physical, physicality, teamwork. But, you know, we would both gel together in a team like we do today. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's just for a, a different set of tools that uh, and each person is kind of like a tool, but you've got to fit into that teamwork. And so the dynamic change was you know, turned my world upside down. I was like, Oh my gosh, what did I get myself into? Mm -hmm. you, you mean I've got to get up at four o'clock in the morning to go to this super cold pool so I can just go swim for an hour. Are you <laughs> kidding me? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but then it got to be like, Hey, uncle Sam is paying me to do this. This is awesome. Right. <laughs> so, so our perspective, my perspective changed and I'm like, I get to do this every single day. And then when I get done with this and I get to go jump out of helicopters and airplanes and do something every single day like that, are you kidding? And I'm going to get paid to do it. Right. So it was kind of exciting, you know, but, but the challenge right off the bat was uh, pretty high standards that you had to meet every single day. And that was the challenge was meeting that standard every single day. Not to say that we don't have failure along the way. We're not going to meet that challenge every single time. I mean, you're, you're going to have failure, but you're not going to grow without that failure. So when did you, when did you start to feel comfortable? It sounds like at some point, whether it probably wasn't a, a you know, a, what they call an aha moment or anything like that, but you started to go, I, I think I get how this game is played from a, from a mental and an emotional standpoint, because, you know, I, I worked with a little bit with the seals and I was out uh, on a ship as well. And a lot of the times when I would talk to them and you just kind of busting each other's chops and stuff like that, it sure physically, it is very difficult to go through that training, but it's something that most people with some training, correct me if I'm wrong, can, you know, if you're halfway athletic and, and halfway in shape that uh, you could probably get through it. It's more the mental and the emotional part of it. That's always been, challenge much more so is it would you say that that's correct i would totally agree with you. yeah yeah the aha moment there that you were saying i don't think that i really had one i would say that it is it is a gel and acceptance of your teammates and those guys that you're going to end up working with you, you see people quitting all the time but that only builds the relationships with your teammates uh more and more mm. and there's a trust that 
that you build with those guys, you know, they're not going to let you down at all. I mean, you completely trust them mm. uh, to save your life to your life depends on them. Right. And so that's, that's what I think the aha moment is when you sink into the, this way of living and doing things. You eventually make it through and it's about what, six months long, that initial period. Yes. For some of us, <laughs> unless you get injured or. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I, um, I had aspiration pneumonia and so in hell week. So I went back to week one, day one. So I had to start all over from the beginning. Mm. And that was the, you know, you talk about emotional challenge. I think for me, the psychological and emotional, knowing what you're going to do really, I would rather do it not knowing. <laughs> it <was the> <laughs> yeah, right, right. Interesting. Yes. <laughs> you get through that. Um, and then you're a SEAL. And I, I just want to, I'm going to slowly transition us here to Amphenol. Life of, of what you do in special operations then, and then, because then you had 20 years after that where you, I'm sure, had a whole whirlwind of activity that you did over that amount of time. But what, in general, if you could just let people know like what your day-to-day, your week-to-week job was and, and how much training that you actually did as part of your job. I know just being on a ship and just a regular old shipmate on a ship, you know, for damage control and firefighting and security drills, we seem to do that all day, every day for anyone, whatever, no matter what your job was. I can imagine in special operations, you know, training in different environments and different tactics and different, you know, using different tools. The training, I'm sure, must have been 90% of your, your work day. Yeah, absolutely. And it never stops. Just like you were saying, uh, with shipboard jobs, uh, it never stops, whether it's education, the physical training, uh, and you're always seeking to improve. And I'm going to quote Admiral Samansky on this. He says, always seek to improve your fighting position. But in order to do that, we've got to train ourselves. We have to listen to our teammates. We have to draw from our experiences seek changes that will disrupt enemy forces, disrupt the way that we currently think, because we can't think inside a confined space. And we have to be able to execute any decision faster than our adversary. And that all takes training. So we, we do that. Gosh, I, you know, there would be days, uh, 182 days out of the year, you're, you're gone away from home, just doing training. And mm-hmm. that's day and night stuff. So now you transition into the business world, into the corporate world here, working for Amphenol. What are some of the things, the the tools, the traits that you grew, that you uh, nourished through different exercises and training and whatnot that you think translate well to this world? I think adaptability. And a lot of these may not be tool sets, but... uh as we look at the bigger picture and the bigger environment, these are ways of life, kind of a, a method of thinking. So adaptability, motivation, commitment, a high degree of freedom of, of work ethic, willingness to work outside the norm, training, and, and a strong desire to win. Other tools that we have are uh, patterns and behaviors. You know, as we train all the time, we get into this pattern, this behavior of uh, working and the intimate knowledge of what we're actually working in. And we become part of that. And I think that's what we seek is to become part of 
the environment that we're in. And that's kind of a, the tool set. We have ways of looking at uh, enemy perspectives. We have ways of decision-making. Mm -hmm. An example is called an OODA loop, observe, orient, decide, act. So we observe what we're doing. We orient ourselves. We decide what we're going to do, and then we act on it. And the faster we can do that, the, the faster we can make decisions, we can maneuver and outmaneuver our, our enemy. Yep. Always with the acronyms. I think Ampinal has more acronyms than we have. <laughs> you know what? About. You might be right. You <laughs> absolutely may be right. Yeah. So now you get into a business development role. So how did that, how did that come about? How did you feel that you matched what AMAO, um, the military and aerospace side was looking for when it came to your skill set, uh, your knowledge, your uh, experience in the industry, or just in the military in general? How did that, how did you feel that aligned? How did that process happen? Wow, that's a great question. My passion, as I mentioned before, uh, integration of technology, emerging markets. I love the VTOL uh, space. Uh, I love space. I like the UAV markets. I have, I have a background in UAVs in the military. Uh, I've worked on things uh, with businesses outside the military on UAVs, uh, developed other tech specifically uh, wearable technology. I've done additive manufacturing. So I have this broad array of uh, passion and knowledge that I can apply towards uh, specific market spaces like uh, a VTOL space, uh, UAV, and the space industry and things that are happening in there. And because it's my passion, I've been in it for a very long time. I have a, a good sense of direction. Uh, mm -hmm. timeline. And I think I understand what the vision is. I think my vision of uh, the, those markets in particular, I just, I know where they're going. And I think, uh, my, my skill set aligns with, with Amphenol and that, you know, this vision kind of applies to the market spaces that we work in and a better understanding of the direction that they're heading and what needs to happen within them. And so we have this unlimited capability in Amphenol uh, as a company. The, the people that I've met, those are actually the greatest assets of the company, but nobody's really, nobody's inside the box. We're, we're thinking outside the box. And I think the vision that I have for those broad markets and my ability to disseminate that information to Amphenol and provide some guidance and direction are going to be how I marry up with Amphenol. The VTOL market, which is vertical takeoff and landing, just if you could briefly just touch a little bit on that, both, you know, mainly from a, from a military perspective, and I don't need you to give, you know, uh, nitty gritty detail of all this and the major customers and stuff, but what excites you about the VTOL market? I can say it's finally here. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I think what we see is, for me, it is the air dominance capability that it provides. It provides us a new method to execute uh, from a platform. It gives us a different capability. We can, we can provide a different type of air support. We can, pro we can conduct operations in a different manner. Uh, than with an aircraft, with a standard aircraft. Mm -hmm. It's this capability. It's a, 
dynamic change. It changes everything. Uh, and as it progresses, and we will see more and more of these VTOL type aircraft. You know, we see the new type of uh, counter rotating blade helicopters for VTOL. We had the the V-22 Osprey, which I've done uh, stuff on in the past, mm -hmm. you know, that was a significant capability generator right there. It gave us the ability to conduct operations in, uh, further from our home base and uh, in a different manner. So I think as we look at these things, the, the military aircraft that we see will transition in the future into the civilian market. And because technology always bleeds down, and, mm -hmm. and I've got to thank NASA. Those guys were incredible. They were researching this stuff out 30 years ago mm. and providing a roadmap. And and I can say, hey, guys, it's finally here. And was, I know one of the guys who's uh, working on one of the VTOL uh, uh, transitions, and it was a UAV. Uh, he did uh, – you know, I still talk to him. He's just a fantastic guy. He's a prior Marine, as a matter of fact. But uh, – I'm just really excited to see it, and I can't wait to see what's next over the horizon. Yeah, and I think that that's, that's a really good example of an emerging market, combining that with, as you talked about, our technology here at Amphenol uh, could be a perfect marriage for it. That's what we hope for. I mean, that's, what, uh, that's the whole reason for <laughs> you being in your role is making that marriage happen. Yeah, you know I there's so many things that I see that we're capable of doing. I, I get so excited that I just, my brain and my imagination go crazy. I have this whiteboard that, uh, that I do my drawings on as I'm sitting at my desk right now. I've, I've got my whiteboard behind me. It's kind of blank because I just moved and I'm unpacking all of my boxes still. But, uh, you know, I just use that to do a quick, you know, mind map and, uh, and draw out some, some ways that we can interject ourselves into these markets. The hardest part is probably, okay, what do I work on first? Yes. I, you know, we talked about transition and part of the, the difficult transition is I've got to work on me as well because I need to become an Amphenolian. Yes. And that is, yes. to me, that means everything I do is in accord with the team and provides a greater de degree of success. That means that I'm living the Amphenol life. That's what I want to do. Exactly. You know, yeah. I moved to Pasadena I, by within walking distance to my office, which means that I don't spend hours in traffic in L.A. Thank God for that. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> and L.A. traffic is kind of terrible. So and that limits my stress, too. But that provides me with you know more time. I get more time on Amphenol and not just dedicated to traffic or something else. The big question I have left for you then, though, is how do you now satisfy that urge to challenge yourself at Amphenol like you did when you first started Buds 20-some years ago? That same challenge of conquering something that's extremely difficult, that some look at as an impossible task. How do you satisfy that urge now, being older, wiser, and having gone through some of these things before? Uh, wow. My dedication to time, I think satisfying myself will be getting to know more people, getting to know and utilize the capability within Amphenol. And I want to become that critical member that's absolutely necessary within Amphenol. That means that I need to be 
an amphenolian. I need to have the information. I need to train myself every day and set up my, my, my training. So I think my next challenges in order to satisfy that, my next challenges are optimizing my schedules. And that is, that includes uh, language. I told you I'm gonna, uh, earlier, I'm gonna learn French. So I bought some French modules. That needs to go into my calendar. Maybe that's, you know, 10, 15 minutes a day. I've got to fit in workouts. That's really important to me. I've got to do that in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then changes. I'm, I've, I've got to be adaptable to change and travel. And I'm always going to seek to improve my fighting position. I think those are going to be ways to satisfy my my urge to challenge myself because there are times when I think I take on too much. So those are going to be the ones that aren't so successful, but uh, still, you know, that's going to allow me to grow. It's great. I'm glad to see that, um, you know, I know how, how, I wouldn't say difficult, but how unusual it was to transition from the military to civilian life and the corporate world. Um, it took me a little bit to get adjusted, but then, you know, I liked it a lot. I liked the, the freedom that I was afforded, uh, as well as bringing with me all of that discipline and organization and, and motivation from, from working with a great organization before that, you having been even more ingrained in that um, and still having that same spirit and challenge is, is good to hear. And I'm, I'm glad to see that, uh, uh, glad to know that you're part of this organization. So uh, I thank you for talking to us today, Dave. Thank you very much. It was, uh, it was a pleasure talking with you. Thank you. So Dave May, Business Development Manager for Amphenol Military and Aerospace Operations, again, uh, out in Pasadena, California now. And if you're one of these VTOL companies or space or UAV companies, and he comes knocking on your door, you better answer it. <laughs> yeah, let's not problem solving. Let's think outside the box. That's right. Thanks again, Dave. Thanks, Chris. Thanks.